We're back. It's the Flat Out RC Podcast. My name is Andrew Sill, and this is the podcast where we talk all things radio control flight. Another great episode coming up. Our guest this week is Michael Andrusik. Michael Andrusik is the president of the uh, Scale Aeros Association down here in Australia, the, the association that looks after IMAC uh, competition flying. So good chat coming up with Michael. Uh, but before we get into that, Let's take a look and see what's been happening in the hobby. Well, there's always something going on in this wonderful hobby of ours of aero modeling. And today, I just want to talk about a new product that I've come across, again, from the team out at Horizon Hobby. And last week, you probably heard, if you were listening, I hope you did listen to the Peter Goldsmith interview. And Peter worked for Horizon Hobby for for many years and I've had uh, Ali Machinchi as well on from Horizon Hobby and it's one of those organizations that's really continuing to develop new products uh, at a very high level and they've got a new release and it's a foamy. It's uh, an ultimate 3D, 950 millimeter wingspan uh, ultimate. The ultimate is that uh, version of a pit. It's a biplane. If you don't know anything about it, ultimate, well, get online, you'll see all about them. But uh it's under their, their E-Flight brand, and E-Flight, of course, is their uh, sort of foamy arm. And this model actually is its sort of a second generation. They did have another Ultimate many years ago, and this is a revised version. So the specs of it is, as I said, 950mm biplane. It's got a nice swept back wing. 60-amp uh, ESC in it. We'll get to why there's a 60-amper in it, but uh, nice big ESC. Uh there's some of the other specs. I'm looking here on their website. Five to seven channels. You're probably going to need seven channels, and I'll get to that as well. Uh, it, look, it's a lightweight kind of thing. It's an outdoor spec uh, foamy. You know, you wouldn't want to really risk this thing indoors. Uh, it goes together really easily. Um, the way that you put the wings on is really simple, but being so small, you probably leave it in one piece anyway, so I don't think many of us will be pulling, pulling it out. Ways around... Uh, 1.2 to 1.3, close to 1.4 kilos, depending on the battery that you use. Steerable tailwheel, material composite reinforced hollow core EPO, uh, as per other E-Flight models. Comes in two different varieties, a bind and fly version, which is uh, has the Spectrum compatible receiver in it, or you can buy it as a PMP where you supply your own uh, receiver. Um, I'm a Spectrum flyer, so I could fly this straight out of the box and take advantage of some of the features. Uh, now, what did they change? I watched the video and they said that they, first of all, they changed the color of it. So it's white, red, gray, and black color, which actually looks really good. Better than the original version, which I think was yellow and blue and whatever. Uh, it has, um, they revised servos. They put, uh, everything was upgraded, servos, ESC, motor. Now, in regards to the motor, it will run 3S or 4S LiPo packs. And what was interesting in the video when the developer was talking about the model, he sort of said the 3S is a bit tame and his preference was the 4S. And to me, seeing video of the plane flying, you definitely go the 4S pack. It's got to be a pretty small pack, uh, 4S 1800 to 2200, 2200 max. It has to be a pretty slimline pack for that as well. But it is designed, you can put a 3S 2200 or a 4S 2200 into this plane. 4S will give you, of course, that extra grunt. So it's got a 60 amp smart enabled 
ESC. Now, these smart enabled ESCs, it's all about getting data back to the transmitter. And these, so now you can get a, a smart ESC, smart batteries, and you're getting data that you can view, you know, temperatures and things like that. Um, if, if you use a smart battery, there's actually an extra plug. It comes in the, built into the connector and it, it transmits like individual cell voltage to your radio, temperatures, all that kind of thing. So uh, you can really get overloaded with data if, you, if you're that way inclined. But uh, so really nice ESC. Now these smart range of uh, ESCs were awesome. Now you can, as I said, you can run on a 3 or 4S battery. But as I said, 4S is uh, the same thing. The receiver that comes with it in the Bindafly is the AS3X version. So it's got the built-in gyro, which, and it's got the safe select. Now, AS3X is gyro, safe select is limiting functions to, you know, if you're a bit of a beginner and want to tame things down. I've written about this in Flat Out RC Magazine. I've never been a big fan of the AS3X systems and the safe select. Every time I've reviewed them, I've never used them. Well, I've used the gyros, but the gyro sometimes dumbs things down. I know that I could spend a bit more time trying to dial back the gyros. I've got there's an app that I can do to program some of the some of these receivers, but I just can't be bothered doing it. But I generally find that I don't need safe select because I always turn that off. And AS3X, it's good if it's windy, but there is a trade-off where it dulls down some of the control surfaces. And when you're flying an aerobatic plane, I don't really like that. But there are people that do enjoy it. And it definitely does. In my Viper Jet that I've got, the foamy Viper Jet that I've got, the E-Flight um, Viper Jet, the A3X works really, really well. And it's really good in, the, in that sort of platform. But in aerob aerobatic plane, I want precise control. So I don't really turn them on. Uh, another great feature is that the throttle is reversible. Uh, it's... You can reverse it through the ESC, and it's it's programmed to a switch on channel seven. It can't be changed, so you need to have a seven channel transmitter to to have that function. Basically, what it does is it reverses the thrust of the motor, so it pushes air the other way, which can be used on the ground for taxiing. You can go backwards if you land and you want to put some reverse thrust. You flick the switch, and it will give you a nice short landing, which I think would be that's a great feature for stall comps. I reckon we can reverse the engine, uh, but it. You can do it in the air as well. And so if you're doing sort of a downline and uh, diving down, you want to slow it down, you could put it to reverse. It's not going to allow you to hover upside down like a, a 4D aerobatic aircraft will, but uh, it does allow you to reverse. And if you have a look at the uh, Horizon Hobby uh, YouTube channel, you'll see some video of people, uh, you know, the, the guy reversing it on the runway and taxing sort of in reverse. So a bit of fun there. It sounds like a gimmick, but I reckon you could really play around with that, especially in the air uh, where you might want to slow things down. You know, if you've been going fast or something like that, you never know. It might open up the envelope, flight envelope. As far as how it flies, it's, it's you can watch flying videos as much as you like, and they you know, they always get these companies get great pilots to showcase them, so they always look good. It's not really until you get in your hands uh, yourself whether it's. You know, you can determine whether it's great or not. But the video that I saw from a power perspective, there's plenty of power on the 4S pack, that is. Plenty of power for all manoeuvres in the 3D envelope. You know, the guy was doing some blenders and knife edge passes, no problem. The roll rate is is just crazy off the charts with this plane. Uh, you know, plenty of aileron movement there. But, you, of course, you can dial it back and fly it more sport-like. Now, who do I think this plane is for? Well, I think it's for one of those 3D guys that loves biplanes. You know, I find that biplanes one of those things that you either love or you're sort of so-so about. I'm sort of in the middle of it all, I think. I think that uh, I just don't like the setup of biplanes at the field. I never have enough time. But fortunately, this is small enough and you can put it together, put it in the back of your car and go and fly it. Uh, 
And it's also whether you like the look of them in the air. And that's probably one of the biggest things for me is I'm just not the greatest fan of some of these aerobatic pipe planes in the air. I don't mind. That's just my personal opinion. Don't have to follow my footsteps. Whatever you do, don't follow my footsteps. But from all reports and what I've seen with the videos and everything of it flying, it looks like a really decent platform. Like it's it's very, very capable. You, you know, it's... It can do anything in the 3D repertoire. It is pretty small, 950 mils and um, wingspan, but of course it is a biplane. Uh, so you know, it's probably not going to like the wind too much, but you have that A3X receiver that can smooth things out. But all in all, it's an uprated version and it seems like they've done some really worthy upgrades to it. So if you're looking for a foamy, an aerobatic foamy, uh, and you love biplanes and you want some strong performance you want that reverse thrust which i think that's going to come into other things that's awesome it's hardwired into the ec apparently uh so as long as you've got a seven channel receiver you can set it up which is apparently it's in the manual on how to do it and you're off and running so take a look at it it will be available at modelflight.com.au as i dropped my phone on the ground i don't know whether you heard that but anyway model flight is a good place to go and also other hobby stores will get it around your local hobby stores if they can't get it, they're lying. They should be able to get it through uh, the local distributor um, once stock arrives. Uh, so take a look from a price perspective. I don't know whether Model Flight, let me just jump into my computer here. We'll see what Model Flight might be selling it for just as a just an indicative price. But um, it's probably going to be over the $300 mark, I'd, I'd, I'd say. Um, just search here. We'll know how to search on the web, I hope. Okay, here it comes. Um, so we're looking at the E-Flight Ultimate. No, it's not up there yet. Oh, here it is. Oh, gee, it's pretty expensive, actually. Um, it's currently showing us out of stock, so they're not in. It's around the $600 mark, Aussie Australian, um, for one of the E-Flight Ultimate 3D biplanes. If you want a discount, haggle with your local shop. <laughs> They'll give you one, but good luck with that. But yeah, we're talking about a $600 unit here. The exchange rate down here in Australia is not really pl you know playing ball with us, so things cost... A fair bit more now that price may vary we don't know because the stock hasn't arrived yet but anyway uh it could well be worth the money quite a versatile platform so take a look the ultimate e-flight ultimate 3d biplane coming soon now on to our special guest today's guest is michael andrews and as i mentioned he is El Presidente at the Scale Aeros Association uh, in here in Australia. So he's in charge of IMAC competition. He's a great guy. He's been on the flying scene for a long time. We started at a young age and then a bit of a break and back into it. But he's he's fallen into the IMAC competition and he single-handedly did a great job at, at driving the resurgence in IMAC competition here in Victoria and Australia, in the state of Victoria. And he's done a wonderful job. And we talk about that, talk about what is IMAC. So if you're interested in getting into IMAC, don't know what it's all about, then keep on listening because uh, Michael will explain it all. So over to my chat with Michael Andrusik. Well, it's my pleasure today to have Michael Andrusik uh, all the way from Victoria, like me, on the line having a chat with me. Uh, Michael, thanks for joining me. No worries, Andrew. It's uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Well, for those of you that don't know who Michael is, Michael is currently involved uh, in the IMAX scale aerobatics scene, and you happen to be the president of, what's the organization's name, so I get it correct? 
It's uh, the ASAA, the Australian Scale Aerobatics Association. So they're, they're the body that's uh, responsible for, for uh, or one of the, the main body uh, responsible for organising uh, the IMAC events around Australia. That's correct. Now, so we are really going to have a big deep dive into IMAC competition. But before we do that, Michael, let's start by giving the audience a bit of an understanding about who you are, starting with when did you, uh, how did you start in aeromodelling? Yeah, so uh, I basically, my, my father was right into all the model aircraft um, and sort of, uh, I was sort of born into it. So uh, he's always been building planes and uh, I sort of started off with a lot of uh, the old uh, little free flight gliders and stuff like that. So he started teaching me how to build those sorts of things when I was about five years old um, and also uh, a bit of control line flying. So I think I started, uh, he started teaching me that around about five, six years old, and it sort of just grew from there. I've, I've uh, just uh, loved building. He taught me how to build. I've uh, done lots of uh, control line planes and uh, uh, lots of little free flight planes, and back then you could go to the local park and, and have a fly, and uh, I used to spend a lot of my time on, on the weekends going off uh, Building building away during the week and then going off for a fly down the park at, at, at the, on the weekend. Um, and then as it went on, I think back at that time, uh, the, the radio control scene, so it's going to show my age now, um, was, uh, it wasn't what we know it today. It was the old uh, single channel push button radio type stuff. So my, my very first radio control plane, which was a single channel glider, uh, I think I would have been somewhere around about the eight or nine year old uh, mark and uh, yeah you know push the button once for left rudder push the button twice for right rudder and it was just flick 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 so went from there um, then I remember getting a when the the, the the proportional radios came out getting a little two channel one uh, getting into a bit of glider flying there um, and yeah just started going along joined up with uh, uh, back at Doncaster Aeromodelers Club, I'm trying to think that would have been around about uh, about 90, uh, 1975, somewhere around there when it was first starting out. Um, flying, uh, started flying radio control there a bit, uh, and then just got to know the the, the club and uh, a lot of the people, and was out there every weekend uh, flying. Uh, uh, all sorts of aircraft from from trainer planes. Uh, learned to fly on a a group and a middle stick uh, that uh, put together. Um, went from there to things like uh, some of the old stuff, the the old Aeroflight Gemini that's been uh, brought out again. Uh, that was sort of my my next step. And and for some reason, I, I got into uh, what uh, it's not quite what it's. Uh, what do they call it now? The the classic pattern uh, where, where F3A has gone into now, but uh, started getting into some of the uh, MK kits and uh, lots of Blue Angels and Atlases and Curaris and stuff like that, and, and and found a passion in in flying aerobatics and and sort of got stuck into that and uh, did a fair bit of aerobatics up until about the age of uh, where was it? Uh, about eighteen, I think thereabouts, and and. Life took a, took another turn. Not sort again. Of, uh, the, yeah, the usual yeah. story. Turn eighteen, and yep, exactly. Other things happen. Exactly. So uh, you know, I mean, unfortunately, when I was sixteen, my father uh, passed away. 
Um, but uh, it, it's one thing with the with the Aero Modeling Club. I remember that I, I was doing a display day down there at, at Doncaster, and this was probably a couple months after my dad had passed away. And of all things, I had uh, a mid-air collision with uh, Cliff McIver. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Good lost, old Cliff. Lost my, lost my good old uh, Curare aerobatic model. So, um, you know, uh, but the support from the club was unreal. I mean, people went out and, and, and helped to uh, found me another model, uh, got me going, and, and I was probably one of the first youngsters that, that uh, Cliff took under his wing, uh, helped, helped me out let me some models to go fly some competitions with him um and uh it was awesome so we sort of did that i spent a bit of time i think after my dad passed away because he had uh, uh we owned our own uh, uh bakery um and of course then the, 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 he'd passed away my mum had to go and find some some work uh i ended up uh believe it or not i i uh, walked into hearn's hobbies in the city and uh, had a chat to the guys there because I knew them and got a job at, at Hearns Hobbies and worked there for about three or four years part-time while I was uh, flying also. So, um, But then, yeah, about the 18 years of age, I sort of stopped flying, uh, got more interested in girls, got married, had a family. Uh, uh, one of my mates at, at work uh, bought a, a, a trainer plane for, for his kids um was trying to learn how to fly i said well look i, I think i remember how to fly we sort of been in it in, in in and out a little bit over the next 30 odd years and then um i suppose it was only when was it, it was about 2015 um uh, i was sort of getting more into it again flying and uh, my 50th birthday was coming up and uh my wife said i can have a party or a plane so i decided to buy myself uh extreme flight laser a 35cc laser rather than have a party and that's a good choice yeah uh, and you sold me the servos <laughs> did i yeah, well, that's even yeah. better thanks for that there yeah you no go, that was right. back back in the days when i had 3d hobby shop yeah that that's right I any bets they were high tech 5585s or something like that that's that's it yeah so, that one um, of my favorite servos oh, they, they they worked a treat buddy they were they were excellent so oh, but no, look, I, I got the plane and uh, never thought I'd be doing that, uh, doing this again and um, thought, well, you know what, what do I want to do? So I thought, well, I, I heard about iMac and uh, I thought, well, you know, this is pretty good. It, it's it's uh, uh, the aerobatics are sort of stuff that I like and um, started flying that, uh, joined up to the club up in, in Seymour at that point in time um, and just started flying away. And, and uh, I think... Um, uh, got a little bit disappointed because I was looking at, uh, forward to, to trying to enter some IMAC competitions, but there was sort of nothing going on in Victoria at, at the time. I think that's right. I ended that up, much. Yeah, I ended up practicing for about a year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, but uh, before we get into the full IMAC thing, I just want to yep. cover a few points because it's really interesting. The role of the Doncaster Club down here in Victoria, I think, has been yep. massive. There's it, out of any club that I've ever visited or heard about. There have been so many great aero modelers that come out of that tiny little club. Now, for those of you who live interstate or internationally, the Doncaster Aero Modelers Club is basically slap bam in the middle of suburbia in Melbourne. It's It really is one of those clubs that was very accessible to a lot of people because you didn't have to travel out to the countryside to go and fly at the club. 
And they seem to, I don't know what happened there, but I think they managed to get the kids in there and, and people like Cliff really took the kids under his wing. And so yep. there's people like yourself, um, a good friend of mine, Adrian Corro, um, David Law, a lot yep. of these guys, my mate Paul Marlin, they, they all came or went through Doncaster at one point in time. The Doncaster field is tiny. It's as big as a footy footy field. <laughs> was it the same field back then when you started out in the seventies? Absolutely, it has. It has not changed. I mean, I actually drove out there um, a couple of months ago to drive in and have a look, and, and drove in there and thought, "How on earth did I manage to fly here?" Oh, it's you tiny, know, isn't it? Look, look yeah, looking at, at uh, what we're flying now, but. Look, the, the, the layout of the field is exactly as it was back in, in, in the 70s. The only difference there is uh, I think the trees uh, 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 on, uh, on the, the, the flight line path there uh, are probably a little bit bigger now. Yeah. <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit taller, but uh, it's exactly the same. It, it hasn't changed. I think they put a shed in there. but And Cliff's um, still there. Yeah, Cliff's still there. Yeah, so. I've, I've, there's. I've, I've got to get Cliff on one day under this podcast because he's got a lot of stories to tell. We'd need three hours because he won't stop talking. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it it just it, it amazes me. And the other thing that it, it is interesting is the role of um, gliders in a lot of people's development in the hobby. That yep. I know that I followed a similar path to you in getting into gliders early on with two channel radios and all that kind of stuff. But it's just phenomenal how. You know, so many people started out with the gliders, um, you know, doing stuff with gliders, which is, of course, is uh, a lot of fun. But, um, yep. okay, so now let's let's get on to the iMac thing. So you saw the iMac thing, and obviously you had a bit of a bug for flying competitions uh, and that kind of thing. Yep. And you're right in saying that, you know, back when you were getting back, and what year were we talking here, 2016-ish maybe? Uh, yeah, 2000, 15, uh, yeah, 2016 was when I flew my first iMac competition. Yeah, so. and and during that phase, there was a bit of a bit of a slump, especially down in Victoria. There's always been quite a healthy iMac movement up further north in Queensland, uh, but down here in Victoria, the numbers started to get a bit light on. I mean, it, it ebbs and flows, as you know. Um, yep. So yeah, what was that experience like? First, you know. When you when you wanted to get into iMac and you said there it was hard to find events. Well, I think back in that era, events kept on being cancelled due to lack of numbers. Uh, they were so. Yeah. Uh, so there was one step I did before that was um, with the VMAA trophy because I did the scale aer- aerobatics. So I thought, well, let's let's see if I can still actually fly. So I entered that and had an absolute ball, and um, then decided, well. Yeah, let's let's do the iMac, and I was trying to enter competitions, and, and the main, the only one I could find was uh, the, the wings over Wangaratta at, at the Wangaratta Aero Club, but that that always seemed to be getting, or well, that got cancelled in 2015, um, and then I had to wait till 2016 where uh, they ran that event. So, um, and that one happened to be my very first one. I think that was in March. Uh, uh, of 2016, and it was incorporated as uh, the MAAA Nationals as well. So now, ironically, um, believe it or not, my last competition in F3A or Classic Pattern was 30 years earlier at exactly the same field. So uh, we rolled up to uh, to uh, uh, Wings over Wangaratta. I had an absolute disaster the week before because. Uh, I was doing some practicing and and 
for some reason, absolutely destroyed my motor. It seized in midair, so I uh, had to go source a, a new motor for the plane and uh, didn't even get any time to run it in and was actually running it at the competition. So uh, rolled up there, I think there was probably about, uh, I think there would have been close to 30 entrants to, to that event. So I was sort of uh, amazed at, at the, the size of aircraft and a little bit overwhelmed, but... Uh, uh, I think the year's practice uh, served well. I, I, I flew well, and, and, and uh, the, the people were, were, were awesome. That's the one thing that that uh, I noticed straight away is how how friendly the people were, how keen they were to help, uh, how approach how you could approach them and, and talk to them if you had any questions. So, um, being uh, a bit of a competitive person, you know, I, w- I would be grabbing whoever judged and asking them, uh, you know, how can I improve and, and all sorts of stuff. So um, it, it was really good to, to, to get into that event and had an absolute ball. Uh, then had to wait for, I think, uh, the next one w- was going to be in, uh, where was it? Uh, I'm trying to think again now. Uh, I was going to say Wagga, but it's not Wagga. Um, it's um, uh, Victoria, New South Wales. New South Wales. Not Cuda. Cuda was another one I went to as well. Um, uh, it'll come to me, but uh, uh, you know what? I can I can double check it. Uh, nah. Oh, that nah, well, doesn't matter. Let's just for the, uh, let's get back to basics with IMAC and give people an understanding that you know people for those people that may not know what IMAC is all about. So first of all, I'll start by saying that IMAC is around scale aerobatics. So they're um, you have to fly an, a sequence of manoeuvres that is based on real-life manoeuvres. So you're not going to find uh, rolling harriers or hovering in an IMAX sequence. It's going to be as per the full-size Arrestes, as they call them, the sequences. What different categories exist in IMAC? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. Um, we follow the sequence that the, the real-size aerobatic uh, planes do. So... Uh, they start off, there's actually five classes, so you can work your way up. So you start with uh, uh, the basic class. So each each class has a, a, a sequence of 10 manoeuvres. Um, and it's basically, once you start the first manoeuvre, uh, the whole flight's basically judged until you the, the, the last one. So you've got to string 10 manoeuvres uh, together and present them properly. Um, so you start off with the basic class. So simple things like just... Uh, the general uh, uh, types of manoeuvres, rolls, loops, uh, half-reverse cubans, stall turns, spins, um, and just just flowing them in the sequence. Uh, then it goes up to uh, the sportsman class, which then starts to get a little bit more involved. You start to get point rolls involved in that. Um, some uh, You do some snap rolls as well. The manoeuvres get that little bit harder. And also, too, uh, basic is basically straight up and down the flight line. Um, when you start to go to sportsman, you start to do what they call cross box manoeuvres. So where you're, you're going 90 degrees in or out from yourself as well, there's uh, manoeuvres that flow in. Uh, then you go into the intermediate level. So there you start uh, again, uh, a few more types of point rolls. You start doing, uh, get introduced to, to eight point roll segments. Um, you get introduced there to uh, negative snap rolls as well as positive snap rolls. 
uh, and also uh, rolling circles. Um, then you go into advanced. Again, you start to get uh, a little bit more there. So you're going into full eight-point rolls and four-point rolls. Uh, the snap rolls become a little bit more difficult. So rather than doing, you know, uh, one snap roll, you start to do uh, – uh, you've got half snap rolls, you've got uh, one and a half snap rolls, three quarter snap rolls, so uh, in both positive and negative and inverted spins. Uh, the rollers become a little bit more more difficult as well, a lot more cross box maneuvers. Uh, and then uh, once you get through that, you go into uh, what they call the unlimited. So again, it now starts to get even more difficult where. Uh, more than anything, you've got step rolls stopping on knife edges um, and uh, the complexity of the manoeuvre. So uh, it, it's almost like taking, uh, the best way to say it, it's taking three or four basic style manoeuvres and putting them into one manoeuvre. So you, you've really got to think and uh, a bit of positioning and, and the accuracy of it. So, uh, so I think that you know, you're starting from, from the basic level, work your way up. Um, we've got a whole promotion system in there that uh, gets you through. You, you, it works on uh, on a percentage. Um, and uh, as you earn the promotion points, you, you move up the classes. So, so if you've got uh, really, plans of uh, sticking in the basic category and dominating for many years, well, bad luck. You're going to have to move on. And, and I think that's part of the, the, the great thing about IMAC is there's this constant movement and and – they it almost pushes the competitors to keep on improving their skill, and any pilot that can make it to unlimited is classified as a gun. Like <laughs> to be able to to get to that level, it means you've put a lot of time in, and you've you've been really consistent with your performances, and 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 quite proficient at flying. And I always say that you know if you want to be good at IMAC, sorry, if you want to be a really good pilot, get good at IMAC <laughs> because yeah, it's just. It trains you to be precise. You have to be very, very analytical, don't you, and, and, and very purposeful in your in your in your stick movements to make sure that you position that 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 maneuver exactly where it's supposed to be when it's supposed to be. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You're one hundred percent right. I mean, I've got some uh, some friends that they come along and do the IMAC, not so much because they're competitive, but it makes their flying better. Like uh, they like flying scale aircraft or or, or other stuff, and they find that. Uh, even just flying the basic or the sportsman pattern in IMAC, their their actually flying abilities become so much better because you've got to put the aircraft where you want to put it. So um, I've got to say that 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 flying I'm I'm flying better now than I've ever flown in my life. Uh, the, the skills I don't have to think uh, so hard about what rudder input I, I need to do. Uh, the brain just seems to do it. So, but. It takes a lot of. Uh, you, I go out every weekend, and uh, you know, I, I fly five or six uh, flights and uh, do double sequences and and uh, practice, practice, practice. That's the only way you get better and better and better at it. Well, I think um, I actually did learn the IMAC basic sequence a number of years ago. One of them that was current at the time, and uh, and I can attest to what you're saying that. When I would I would go out to the field and it didn't matter which plane I took. I remember taking this I had this one meter stick that was scratch yeah. built by a guy in the club that I was a member of, and they were beautiful planes. Actually, it was the first radio control powered plane I ever flew, and I ended up buying it off a mate. And my brother's got it now, and I might get it back off him. But um, and I, he used to joke and say, "Oh, look at you flying iMac with this stick," and it didn't matter. I I I had to really manage the throttle effectively to get through some of the loops and things like that, but. 
the more I did it, the better I became. And like you said, the more proficient I became. But the other thing I was working on is things such as simple as flying straight lines, being able to fly straight and level. And and it meant that what it also meant is that when I went to the flying field, I had a purpose. It wasn't just mucking around, flying around all over the shop. And 90% of what we see at a flying field is just people scooting around the sky. And to me, you know, if you enjoy that, knock yourselves out. For me, yeah. it was uh, I'm into the attainment of of skill, and and I get bored very easily. That's why I, I like flying gliders because you live in hope that the thing's going to stay up, and you're always thinking about where to position <laughs> the glider. Um, I, I like flying aerobatics because it's constantly constantly a challenge, and so that's probably my two greatest focuses in those two categories. But um, yeah, going out there, and, and I always say to people, even if you're not going to compete, go and learn a sequence and and give yourself a purpose to practice so that when you're going to the field, you're practicing the same thing over and over again and repeating it, which is creating, well, get technical, neural pathways, uh, which yep. makes means you do not do not need to think about what you're doing now, which means you are become proficient at what you're doing. So I'm a big, big fan of iMac just for that, even if you can't turn up to a comp, that you can at least learn the sequences. Ah. Now, but there's one thing you said that was interesting and I just want to talk about, which is you said that you turned up to your first iMac event and you felt a bit daunted because you saw these large planes. Now, um, and I agree with you, and and I've been a judge at different events and people get in there in awe of these massive three-meter wingspan composite, you know, aerobatic planes and that kind of thing. What aircraft can be used in iMac? Yeah, so (laughs) I knew knew we were going to get uh, down this path, so... Look, generally, um, uh, from sportsman up to unlimited, it, it needs to be a, 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 a scale aerobatic type plane. So your lasers, your extras, your edges, your your sequoias, your yaks. Okay, so and, and any size, it doesn't matter. In basic class, you can fly whatever you like. So um, you know, if you if you've got a stick, if you if you've got a scanner or a low wing sports model. Um, that that will do the manoeuvres. Uh, basics not all about getting out there and uh, seeing whether you enjoy it. Exactly as you said, go out there, fly with a bit of purpose. See if you can fly the straight lines. Um, we had a a guy turn up uh, with a scanner uh, in the basic class against a whole lot of guys that had you know the big iMac planes, and, and uh, he won the competition. You know, so had an absolute ball, flew it. Uh, but when you get into sportsman, you need to have uh, a scale aerobatic type of plane. So yeah, but that still can know. be that can be any scale aerobatic plane. It doesn't need to be a three meter wingspan plane. No. Well, look, look. I flew the. the I, I bought the the seventy four inch extreme flight laser with DLE thirty five in it. I took that all the way to advanced. So you know, I was flying against guys with uh, with uh, two point six three meter planes, flying my little uh, seventy four inch. You know, uh, I remember my. First Nationals was at, at Cootamundra, and uh, it was blowing an absolute gale. Was, we, we were looking at about 35, 40 kilometre hour winds, about uh, 45 degree crosswind. Um, and, you know, the, the little laser sat up there, handled the wind really well uh, against all the, all the big planes. So you don't need to. A lot of it's about how you set up the plane. I remember... Uh, I, I convinced one of the unlimited pilots to uh, have a fly of my laser. I just wanted to make sure, you know, have I set this thing up right, you know, and uh, how we go. And uh, 
he was a bit reluctant to oh, a little plane, you know. Uh, he, he convinced him to have a flyer, but uh, <laughs> he went in and he started flying. He said, wow, wow, this thing flies really, really, really well. And he then did a full unlimited sequence with a with a 30cc aircraft. Yeah. No problems at all. And so That's the thing. I've seen that uh, in my visits to China, to the China Top Show event where I've been a judge. We've seen everything from a 60-inch size electric compete uh, all the way up to the larger planes. But yep. you, know, you and I know that the reason why people end up buying bigger planes, but I'll let you explain to the audience. Why do why do iMac pilots end up buying large planes? So, uh, well, there's, there's a bit of truth to the theory, the theory here. The bigger they are, the better they fly. So, um, look, uh, they do. The, the bigger planes are... Do fly a little nicer. They're a lot more smoother. They're probably, in in some aspects, uh, easier to set up. So, um, that, and that's the general reason why the, the guys go to the three meter planes, so that they do get that little bit of uh, extra accuracy. But you you know when you when you get to the top level and you're competing against uh, you know you, you know the the top class flyers in, in Australia or in the world. Every little bit helps. So, uh, you know, when you get to that level and you've got that that ability, then yeah, you're probably going to need to get to 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 a bigger size aircraft. But anywhere from uh, you know basic uh, sportsman intermediate, uh, uh, if you can set up a, a, a small aircraft, you can go out there and you can compete with the best and be competitive. So, um, but yeah. Uh, the guys buy the bigger the, the bigger aircraft because they are a little bit more stable, a little bit more easier to set up. So, yeah, I think that's what it comes down to is that yeah. that stability in the air, especially if the wing gets up a little bit, they don't get knocked around, and and the presence of those planes in the air and the way yeah. they fly. And um, but it's interesting uh, uh, talking to Jace Ducia when I met him in China, who's a, of course we all know Jace Ducia, the gun <laughs> freestyle aerobatics pilot. He actually said to me that he spends most of his time flying small planes because. His theory is they're they're harder to fly um, as precise as say a bigger you know hundred cc size plane or something like that. And so he says yep. when I fly the little planes, I'm really training myself. And when I get to the bigger planes, it's even easier. And then he can fly low and all that kind of stuff. So he said actually most of his flying is done on little electrics and things like that. So the biggest message I think for anybody out there that's looking getting into to IMAC competition. You don't need to go out there and go and spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a massive, you know, composite plane, um, or you know, even just a, yeah. a, a big extreme flight or pilot RC or something like that, balsa plane. But you can start at that small level, especially in basic, and that is my recommendation. Take whatever you've got out there, start learning the basic sequence. Now, to to get these sequences, where can we get them? Because they change is every two years or every year that they change the sequence. Well, that's yeah. Well, that's the other thing is that the, the sequence changes every year. So every year we we get a new sequence to fly. So you're not flying the same thing, which which is again helps your skill level. Um, so where you get those from? So there is um, they're they're controlled through, uh, and I can't remember the website, but it's the IMAC. Uh, uh, US website, yeah. I think it's iMacMini.org or something like that. Something like that. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, but on the ASAA website, which is www.scaleeros.com.au, we generally upload the uh, sequences there. Um, but also, too, the, probably the easier one for most people to get to is we've got the uh, iMac Australia Facebook page. 
So um, I think we're, we're looking, I can't remember now, but we're looking at something like 1,500 uh, members in in the, that Facebook page, but we upload uh, all the current sequences uh, in the Facebook page as well. So, uh, and and, it, and if anyone can't find it, uh, they can uh, send me a message and I'll send it to them straight away. So, yeah. So there's uh, iMac is flown all around Australia, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. So there's there's little chapters everywhere running iMac competition, and so how many events in a normal year, not in the world's worst year of 2020 where everything is turning to you know what uh how many events normally would would be in a typical season so in, in a typical season around australia we're probably looking at um somewhere between 20 25 events around australia so um uh, in victoria i try to to organize uh the last couple of years we've had about uh, five or six in Victoria. Uh, we then associate there's probably about another five or six that are that are done in um, New South Wales. Queensland would be about the same, probably somewhere up, uh, up to uh, uh, the eight in Queensland, and then uh, over in WA and South Australia. Between them, there's probably another five, six, seven events as well. So, and then of course we we then try to to organise uh, the uh, the national event as well. Uh, where everyone gets together in in one particular state uh, and uh, do our ASAA national. So, um, so yeah. So on a, on a normal year, you know, you're probably looking at, at around about uh, at least twenty events around Australia. Well, it, it's good to see it now. It, it's kicking along really well, and I just want to talk about that because you mentioned earlier that um, Victoria was a bit quiet, but. Uh, you put your hand up and took over the reins in the Victorian sort of side of uh, the IMAC competition, and that sort of led you now into being El Presidente of the association in charge of the whole whole shebang. And I don't know why you did that, but obviously you're glutton for punishment. But well done to you. Now, <laughs> oh, let, let let me let me just say I didn't put my hand up. Okay, so I was. I was persuaded. <laughs> That's right. Well, often it's like uh, it's uh, the person who has their hand the highest. And so everybody yeah. drops to the floor, starts digging a hole not to have the role. But I think that you're the perfect person for it. And uh, we had a brief chat about this prior to getting on air. But um, you, IMAC was struggling to get competitors in Victoria. What did you do to build it up again? Because it's been highly successful now and the movement in Victoria has really moved ahead in leaps and bounds. What did you do to make that happen? So well, I suppose, well, let's, let's have a, have, uh, have a think. I'm not a hundred percent sure what I did. I've got an idea. So I think in my second IMAC event, um, uh, uh, I was asked, uh, the, by the president at the time, uh, whether I'd be the Victorian state rep. Um, they needed someone down in Victoria. We we only had like two or three pilots, I think, uh, here. Um, and you know what? I thought, well, yeah, look, I'll give it a go. Um, so my main motivation was probably a little bit selfish, to be honest. I thought I've got to I've got to get this sorted out because I want to. I don't want to go travelling uh, into New South Wales to go fly all my IMAC events. So. Um, uh, I saw sort of one or two of the guys said, well, long, long time ago, they did, used to do what they call come and try days. So I thought, well, let's let's give that a go. How do I organise that? So uh, first up, I, I, I had a chat with uh, 
the Northern Flying Group there, the state field, and just said, look, would we be able to use the field for a day? This is the idea. I want to try and organise a, a, a come and try day where we get people that might be interested out, out to, to have a look. Um, and uh, they were all for, the, for that. Um, so I suppose the, the next part of that was how do I get the word out there? So, um, and this is where uh, the BMAA were, were really good. So I uh, had a bit of a chat with them. Uh, I know Joe Finocchiaro uh, went out and uh, I did a couple of flyers. Uh, he emailed them out to all the BMAA members. To be honest, I was sort of thinking, ah, you know what, if I get two or three people that actually want to come along to this come and try day, I've done really well. Uh, and lo and behold, on the first come and try day, I think I had 12 people turn up to, to come and have a look. So, which comprised basically, we did a bit of an introduction in the in the club room. I had a, had a my computer and a, a projector and had a bit of a chat about uh, what IMAX about and spe specifically going through the basic sequence and the manoeuvres and and what to look for. Uh, all the guys came out, brought their planes. We then went out. We did a, a, a bit of a demo flight. Uh, had a bit of a chat while I was flying, uh, and then the, got the guys out there. We had a few uh, few current IMAC pilots uh, that were in some of the higher classes that would go out and and have a chat with the guys and while they were flying and and talk them through it. And it sort of took off from there, I suppose. I think it did. The first one. Yeah. Now, let, I'm just going to, because before when you and I were having a chat, you said, look, I don't really know how I did it, but I'm going to give everybody out there the marketing theory and the analysis behind what you just said, which can be applied to anybody that's trying to encourage new participants, people to join a club, people to come to your events and that kind of thing. So it looks like this. The first thing is you need to put some activity in place. And a come try day is a great way to do it because now you're saying to people, hey, come and try this. You're inviting them to come and have a look. But the second part of it, which is I consider is the most important part, is which you addressed, which is the uh, competition um, side of things. And so, sorry, not competition, communication side of things. Yeah. That you looked at it for avenues to spread the word and you did that successfully and then not only that is you gave people an experience when they turned up. You gave them a presentation. You led them down the pathway to understand what IMAC is about. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to pump your tires up here, Michael. <laughs> what you have done since your involvement in IMAC has not been achieved by anybody in the same period of time for any event here in Australia, I dare say. The amount of people that you have actually got to turn up. How many people now are turning up consistently to a Victorian IMAC event? So uh, back in, we held our first one, would have been 2017. Uh, we had, uh, I think we had 11 uh, competitors turn up and probably about five of them were from interstate, from New South Wales, uh, whereas uh, we managed to hold one IMAC a comp uh, this year at, at Northern in February. We had 21 competitors and every single one of them was Victorian and not all the Victorians could turn up. Now, so. that is just, that is crazy. And, and what, what ends up happening is, is another marketing theory that activity breeds activity. So people yep. get out there, they start getting involved in IMAC, they go to their flying field, they sh the other people see them flying IMAC and say, what's that? They then see the airplanes that they're flying, then they want to get involved and that starts the snowball and the movement is now alive and well in Victoria.
And it's something that actually in previous uh, regimes, I said to the, the guys that are running IMAC here in Victoria, you need to run come try days. You need to put in events. They kept on cancelling events. If you cancel an event due to lack of participation, you're never going to get any participation. You're better off just running with four people and having a bit of a muck around after you've all done your sequences or something or run 30 rounds for each per person or whatever. <laughs> so... Uh, Let's just so well done, and if and that's why I think you're a great person to be in the position that you're in with um with uh, the president of the Scale Aeros Association. Let's have a look. Last year you had a big uh, a big national um, event, and that was held in uh, Delby in Queensland. Dolby, that's Delby. correct. Yeah, and yeah, Dolby, Dolby. Now, so Sasha Ciccone, who was from Italy, went to that event. I was with him the week prior in China, and he goes, "Hey, what is this Dolby like?" And I said to him, uh, <laughs> "Just wait. Let's just say it's not going to be like it is here in China at the moment. It's going to be hot. There's going to be flies." He goes, "Oh well." Anyway, he had a great experience, but that event saw how many competitors in total? Because it seemed like it was quite a big one. Oh, so I think the final number was somewhere around about sixty-five pilots. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah, you had a bunch was, of international uh, pilots come as well uh, for the first time, I think, as well. Yeah. So, so you mentioned Sasha came all the way from Italy. Um, we had uh, Cal. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. Yep. So him and his dad came over from from the US as well. Uh, we had. Um, you know, oh, mate, they're all going to kill me. We had a couple come from India. We had a few from. Uh, I think it was Chile or Mexico. We had some from France come over. So I think all in all, there were there were somewhere about eight or nine international pilots that that came along uh, to Dolby. Some of them, some of them were quite used to the heat up there in in uh, late November, early December, and a few of them nearly died from the heat up there, like I did. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> the um, where's the where are the nationals being held this year? If 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 it can go it, ahead. If it goes ahead, it will be at Cootamundra State Field in New South Wales. Uh, now, I'm trying to remember the date. It's uh, the end of September. I think it's around about the, the 27th or 28th and 29th, somewhere around there of September. So, if I, so, so but, yeah, that's that's another case if it goes ahead. So, yeah, I know. It's, a, um, it's, it's so hard for people organising events now because we don't, just don't know. Um, you know. I put a little post on uh, social media last week or something about um, – the Shepherd and Mammoth Scale Flying, which is a yep. big event here in Victoria, and and the organisers sent me a message said, look, we're going to have a committee meeting on July the nineteenth, and they they want to see the event happen, but you know, if you and I here in Victoria, yep. we've got this Corona uh, outbreak again or something. You never know; they could shut yep. clubs down again. Now, yep. um, so well done, and your efforts with IMAC are, are really um, have been really good. As president of uh, the um, AASAA, what what yep. is your agenda? What are you hoping to achieve during your reign at the uh, at the top there? <laughs> Besides world domination, yeah, well, no, no, not world domination. So, uh, yeah, look, uh, my agenda has changed since the start of the year. I think we've got the, there was a few things. I mean, at the moment we're 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 trying to to organise events. This whole coronavirus and and everything has just thrown everything in in in. Uh, a spanner in the works, unfortunately. So a lot of our time and, and the committee uh, have been trying to work out whether we can run events, whether we can't. But uh, that aside, I, I mean, in general, I suppose uh, we're on good foundations. I've been on the committee for the last two years. Um, a few of the, uh, I think Michael Hobson was uh, the, the the previous president. Um, 
I think Michael and, and Steve Baitland and Peter Briner and Dan Carroll, they were all on the committee, but they'd been on it for, for quite a few quite a few years and I think they just wanted to have have a bit of a break. Um, so uh, I did, in this case, I did put my hand up to become president, but I also organised um, uh, a good committee behind me as well. You know, oh, I've, I've got, got concerns uh, about that, though. You got concerns about that, yeah. You? <laughs> Chris Rutter, the Rutner, good friend of mine, as vice president. Yeah, he's he's, he, he's my he's my muscle mate. Oh, he 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 rang me, and you know how Rutner talks. He goes, oh, "Yeah, I'm vice president of ESSA. I might need some help from you." That's what he said to me. I'm like, "Oh, Rutner, you've been drinking again." Anyway, I said, "What are you going to do on that?" He goes. Oh, no, I'll help out. Anyway, um, but I spoke to him a few weeks ago and I said, how are things going? He goes, oh, great. He goes, I said, how's the committee getting along? I said, really good. And he, he loves you. He's a, he thinks you're a great bloke. And <laughs> I, But, uh, yeah, so that, that's my only concern. The vice president, Chris Rutnut Rutter, he's a nutbag. I just – well. Uh, we, we, we were going to put him in as president, but we thought we'd better put him down as vice well, president to start with. He, so. was, he was president of his local radio control car club. <laughs> and I said to him again, what are you going to do as president? You can't even spell the word president, let alone be the president. <laughs> anyway, he's a good mate of mine. I love him a lot. And we, we talk often and uh, and he, he loves his iMac as well. So he, he'll he'll help you out. If, if you just tell him what you want done and he'll go and do it. He, he's, mate, he's mate I've, got to, I've, got to, I've got to say, yeah. You, you, uh, you, you'd think that maybe he wouldn't be doing much, but I tell you what, Chris has come up with some really good ideas. So he, we, we're on the phone uh, uh, every second week and we have a bit of a chat, but he comes up with some really good ideas. No, so. they're all my ideas. He's ringing me up. I'm telling him he's passing on. I'm practically on the committee. But oh, no, I have a word to him. Yeah, you can't have a word. Just, just say to him, next time you speak to him, say, is it true Andrew's still telling you what to say? But, um, but no, oh, he, he's a good guy and he, his heart's always in the right place and he, he loves uh, – Flying aerobatics, so we, we, we talk quite often whilst he's sitting on a tractor playing on the field. So um, he's a good guy. So uh, now you, you you did have a go at putting on uh, the virtual iMac events, which I saw, which was basically on a simulator, and that, that seemed to, to seem to to be quite an interesting concept. Did it did it work? Yeah, it actually did. So I, I've got to hand it. That was uh, uh, Scott Bardney from uh, who is the New South Wales state rep. Uh, when all this happened, and he's on the committee as well. He's uh, our national uh, uh, national development director. So he thought, you know what, we're all stuck in lockdown, mate. Let's just let's just do it virtually. We had a bit of a chat, um, and yeah, basically it was uh, a weekend. It actually took all Saturday, all Sunday. But um, you sat here with a flight simulator. You recorded it off your iPhone or whatever whatever you had. We set up a. Uh, a Facebook events page for the people on it, and um, you, you would you could do it as many times as you like, but you recorded one one flight, one sequence, um, and uploaded it. And we organised judges to judge it. They wrote the scores down, sent them off to whoever the CD was. Uh, I did one, Scotty did the other, uh, entered them in there. So we did uh, a flight Saturday morning, a flight Saturday afternoon um and another flight sunday morning and we even chucked in some freestyle on uh on uh the, the saturday night as well people would record their flights and upload it and uh you know what considering that we couldn't get out of the house we had an absolute ball it was uh it was uh it, it went a lot better than, than we expected so uh 
And I was surprised a few more didn't didn't try to do it. So was wasn't too hard to organise. Wasn't too hard to to actually run. Um, yeah, and as long as you've got a reasonable internet connection, upload your flights and off you go. It, it worked really, really well. Yeah, no, well done for putting that on. But I've got a bone to pick with you, Michael. Oh, yeah, what, what have I done now? Well, it's not you. It's just the whole <laughs> iMac movement in Australia. You mentioned the word, oh, we even put on a freestyle event. Michael, I'm a big fan of freestyle aerobatics, flying to music. It, it's, a, it's a concert. It's a performance. It's dancing in the air. We Absolutely. Are, in Australia here, we just do not have a movement that embraces freestyle aerobatics, which is, again, another aspect of flying aerobatics and a bit of 3D and all that yep. kind of stuff. What are you going to do about trying to get more competitors into having a crack yep. at a freestyle routine? Uh, uh, believe me, um, th- I mean, th- th- the whole four-minute freestyle to music is part of iMac as well. So when we when we fly, uh, especially the nationals and stuff like that, we do uh, the freestyle also. So I suppose the, the, the big problem is is we don't have a, a number of the pilots, but um, we're, we've been moving a bit more towards that. Um, you know, we, we've been lucky enough. We've had uh, Steve and Greg down here in from New Zealand, but has been living in Victoria, has been flying at our local club. And he, I mean, he's he's a he's a gun um, uh, IMAC freestyle pilot. He's been out there uh, at our, our club showing some freestyle. Um, got a few younger guys uh, I know at our club. Uh, we know we've got uh, we've got uh, uh, Marius up in, in the ACT, who, who's uh, been flying really really well in, in freestyle. Uh, in Victoria, we've got. Uh, We've got we've got Owen Mitchell up at, at Wangaratta now. Um, we've got young uh, Brad Worm up at, at from the Achuca Wormster. that are flying flying iMac. Brad Worm, right. well, Brad and I we we regularly get on the sim together. I, I call yep. him the Wormster. He's a legend of a young kid. Loves his flying. I, I went for a fly with him a few weeks ago up at Achuca, and the kid has really moved ahead in leaps and bounds. And he actually asked me about freestyle music and said, "Can you help me select some music?" Yep. And because you know, one of the theories that I was taught by a friend of mine was that select music that's going to appeal to the crowd. So being older than him, he said, "What music should I use to you know, <laughs> for old, that old people like?" And I ended up actually putting together a four-minute um, you know, music uh, uh, you know, backing for him because I'd never done it before, and I've, I know how to do it. I've got all the technology to be able to do it, and I and I did it, and I said, "Hey, uh, try this one." And being a young kid, he turned around and says to me, I don't like a lot of those songs. I said, remember, it's not about what you like, it's about what the judges are going to like. So you will like uh, Guns N' Roses or whatever it was. You know, that's it. Absolutely. And so um, anyway, he said, okay, I'm going to try my own one. But uh, he definitely has shown an interest into moving into the freestyle thing as well, but he's really enjoying the iMac, and the iMac's making him a better pilot. So when, oh, yeah. The thing with freestyle is, okay, in iMac you're getting judged on your precision and your ability yep. to perform that sequence as prescribed. When you fly freestyle, the thing that makes the difference between a good freestyle pilot and a bad freestyle pilot is the precision as well. So that's why yep. you see a lot of you know, iMac and freestyle going hand in hand. A lot of the good freestyle pilots did a stint in iMac to you know brush up their skills and their precision. So I, this is my request for you is to try to encourage more people to have a crack at the fr- freestyle component of iMac by putting it on and saying, okay, we are going to run a freestyle. And even if there's one of you, we're going to run it because yep. other people might see it and then want to give it a go because uh, I just think we're missing out. I, you know, I, uh, I, 
I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think in, in the majority of the comps that, that I've flown in, there hasn't been a lot of freestyle. And, and that's probably down because the people, uh, uh, we, we haven't had competitors. So, but every Victorian comp we, we tried to do, like we were, we had it all planned. We were actually going to run an IMAC comp this coming weekend uh, up at Echuca. Unfortunately, with with the the outbreak of, of, of uh, COVID at the moment, we've, we've had to cancel it. But we had uh, we had about four four or five pilots that were willing to fly freestyle, and and we, we're trying to encourage it. So, you know. Um, and the thing is, that they might not be great to start off with, but it's a starting point. And it's interesting when I go to China, they're not really into IMAC. They're more into freestyle. They want to be freestyle aerobatic pilots. But what they're getting them to do in the China Top Show event is they're creating a sequence which is eighty uh, percent IMAC maneuvers, and then twenty yep. percent some three D like you know a, ha- a hover with a torque roll, then exit into a inverted Harrier into a rolling Harrier or something like that at the end of yep. the sequence. But the majority of the sequence is it would be con- I'd consider it to be almost like basic maneuvers that we'd see in IMAC basic. Um, but they have to be performed really, really well. But um, but yeah, in Australia we're sort of we are we've got we've got a good um pattern scene, especially in Victoria, the F three A, and then with the IMAX scene and the work that you've done, especially down here in Victoria, has really bolstered the numbers. So um, it, it's going ahead in leaps and bounds, and and yeah. I, I really mean it when I say to you that you've done an excellent job because uh, to get twenty one people to turn up to an IMAX event from having two people in the state, yeah is massive and i think the timing is right for it as well that there's there's a, a younger crop coming through and uh you know such as the riley sills and the brad worms and the the marises of the world that are coming through and and they're um you know banding together in a kind of way and got that younger movement happening as well which has bolstered the numbers and and then yep. all the other people have just been influenced by their flying buddy who got into it and and of course it's it's it, generally these imac events are a two-day event aren't they yeah yeah normally um we do the two days, depending on the number of competitors. Uh, it's it just better because the other thing we haven't spoken about too is uh, yes, we've got a, we've got a, a sequence that we fly, but we've also got an unknown sequence that we fly in in the competition as well. So, which brings you know we've got a couple of uh, some some of the the the, the top F three A pilots. You know we've we've got um, Glenn Orchard, Glenn Orchard and, yeah. and and Russell Edwards, mate. They're coming along flying IMAC and. And even uh, up in Queensland, we had Peter Panizzi up there. I think uh, that's how you say his name. Um, these guys are loving the unknowns. You know, you handed a sequence in the morning, and at lunchtime, you've got to fly it. So, and you've never seen it before. So, um, <laughs> always makes for uh, uh, interesting entertainment when you're listening, uh, watching the pilot and the caller. Yeah, uh, the, the the caller yelling out. Uh, which way to go and the pilot doing the wrong no, thing. No, the other yeah. left. <laughs> yeah, the other left. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'd be terrible at that because I, I have enough trouble remembering my name, let alone what the <laughs> manoeuvres are called. So I definitely have a caller like drawing pictures in front of me. It's it's a loop with a half a roll at the end of it kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah, so that it, it, it is. It's, it's seeing like the likes of Glen Orchard um, coming back and I want to get Glenn on the podcast. I've been trying to tee up a yep. time with him, but uh Glenn used to, you know, he's a gun pattern pilot, represented Australia, world, multiple world champs, and um, and he's dabbling in IMAC just for the fun of it. And I know that his good mate, my good mate, Paul Marlin, is is thinking about making a return to uh, and, and stand back because a guy can fly like nothing on earth. So um, he's, I know that he's got a plane in the works and thinking about maybe joining Glenn at some of the events. 
the other thing with iMac I find is it's a very it's a social event as well that you're catching up with mates and you know, I always say with iMac at an iMac competition it's not as if you're doing a flight every hour you, you have your turn and then you might be judging and then you're sitting around and so you got that social aspect and of course the Saturday Saturday night shenanigans that iMac competitors are, are known for generally led by uh, Rutnut or Roughnut, whatever you <laughs> want to call him. Uh, but um, so I think that that is another big draw card, those two-day events. It's a, it, you make a weekend of it. So yep. look, fingers crossed that this whole COVID thing, we can get on top of it and start running some events. I, I was saying to my, my wife just before that oh, my gut feel is it's going to be another 12 months. I think that not yeah. until we've got a vaccine in place, uh, we're really going to be back to, to normal. And you know, even if yeah. we get on top of the numbers, I suppose if you can get up to 30 people at a, at a flying field at once, you could run an event. But uh, some of the big events, where you, you know, the fun fly events, they're not going to happen, I don't think, anytime soon, nah. which is which is a big pity. I just All I can say is hurry up 2020 and be done with. Oh, mate, I, yeah, I just wish that, look, uh, in one aspect, uh, uh, I want to reboot it. But in another aspect, uh, I became a grandfather in January well, 2020. So, you know, uh, That's a I good don't want to... I don't want to reboot that, but the rest no, of it's been... the rest of it can go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll take exactly. the good bits and uh, forget about the bad bits. I, I think that uh, come New Year's Eve, there's going to be a lot of drunk people. Alcohol sales are going to go through the roof. We're going to be celebrating that the year's over, and and uh, thank God for that. But, uh, yeah. but now I want to talk a bit about the planes that you're flying. So a bit back, back yep. to you. What, what currently are you uh, flying? So uh, currently, I've got an extreme flight uh, laser, uh, a one hundred and four inch, so a two point six oh, meter model. What a plane! No, I, so, that is. Tell me about that plane. What do you? How does it fly? It is, uh, mate. It's, it's one of the best flying planes I've ever flown. I, I love it. I mean, I'm I'm a bit, as you can tell by by the introduction. I've been into to planes for for a long time, but. Uh, I love the laser. It's it one of my all-time favourite planes. And when Extreme Flight brought it out in uh, uh, in the 104, uh, I just had to had to grab one. So uh, the the actual composition of it is unbelievable. I mean, it, it's it's a wood carbon fibre frame, but it is so strong. Um, and then uh, mate, I put this thing together. Uh, it's running a DA uh, 120 in it. Um, uh, Futaba, I've got, I've got, I've got a, a 16SZ that I run in it, um, and came in at uh, about 11 and three quarter kilos dry, um, so a bit over 12 kilos with a full tank of fuel in it. But out of the box, I haven't had to, to the engineering that goes in and, and the development that goes into this, the incidents are, are right, the thrust angles are right, um, it, it, it just flies dead straight. Absolutely dead straight. So they're, let, they're an amazing plane. That that laser. Yeah. People say to me, "Oh, what plane should I get?" Well, they're talking about a hundred cc, and I go, "104 laser, without question." Yeah. Just go and buy that plane. And why do I say that? Well, I've got a number of friends that you know, gun pilots like Sasha Chaconi, um yeah. and Martin Branwell, and my, and my my friend Ido Segev. They've all flown the laser, and they all raved about it. Like literally. Yeah. Edo back in 2018, 17, 18, he flew one and he and we were in China and he said, when I go back to Australia, I'm going to buy one. I said, no, you're not. You don't go flying. Wait a week and if uh, you still have got that urge to have one, then go and buy one because that, that plane is just uh, it is amazing. It's the best plane I've ever flown. And then uh, fast forward to last year and Sasha Ciccone and Martin Brandwell are both flying one, especially Sasha with a DLE 130 in it. 
and yep. uh, they they were just laughing when they land. They said that is just amazing. That it makes everything so much easier. So much so that Sasha's gone and bought one. He actually bought. Yeah. He got. He bought uh, the the one hundred four lays, and he bought the DLE one thirty, same as the setup in China. And um, so it's got heaps of grunt. And goes, it is just so much fun. So definitely, if when I crash my two hundred cc's, I'll buy one uh, one hundred four laser, and I'll get that up and running because. Yeah. For more reports, it's gone. And how do you go? Because there's some people with – there's a 125-inch laser, isn't there? Oh, there is. I would love to get a 125-inch laser. Um, I think Michael Hobson has yeah, the only one he... in Australia yeah. at the moment. He's he just got up and flying, and apparently that's even even a, a better flying plane. But, mate, 125-inch, you've got to be able to transport it. So oh, believe it on. or not, for those for – semi-trailer. Know, well, well, you know what? I I've got a Ford Focus, and my 104 fits in the Ford Focus. Oh, really? Yep. I <laughs> oh, see. I've got I've got this beautiful trailer, and I've got 200 cc's in the bottom, and then I've got all these 30 cc's up the top rack, and you know. But okay, you got to spend the money. Like these yeah. trailers are, are not cheap to buy, and I I spend a bit of money on mine. I call it my storage unit, my mobile storage unit, because my theory is. I can only own as many planes as can fit into my uh, into my trailer. That's going to hold me in good stead. But um, yeah, that one hundred four lays. And and question for you, uh, DA one twenty. Do you get a, like a, a a pulsing throttle at mid throttle with your DA one twenty? Yep, They're on the brand new uh, the one twenties, they've got. Uh, I think they've got. A, it's a different carburetor setup. Yeah, on it. so it's Mine- a, it actually gives you more power. Yeah, but it, it is. You can get rid of it. You've just got to get the the needles right. The, the right. The needles right between the low and the high. Yeah, that's what I think. Because yeah. I've just I just made into a plane with a DA120, which the plane the engine wasn't new, um, yep. but it um, yeah it's got the mid throttle. It's it, it reliable, but uh, yeah. That, yep. And somebody said to me, yeah, you got to just get the needles right. So I'm gonna have to pull the cowl. Yeah, play so around. it's a little it's a little bit. I I, I mean I managed to. Uh, I haven't got rid of it totally, but reduce it. And a lot of it's at the low end, leaning out the low end just a little bit. Oh, okay. Just yeah. getting, just getting, and that, and that carburetor too. Uh, so I've been uh, told you have to you have to tune it while the motor's warm. Okay. So you've got to warm the motor up properly, let it run run for a minute or two, and the, and then start tuning exactly. it because. Uh, yeah, but having said that, it's got really good suction. They start real easy. So yeah, yeah, that's um, a dream to start and. Uh, how have the guys at Desert Aircraft Australia been to you? Have they been very supportive? Oh, absolutely, mate. Um, the, the, the guys at DA, I, I, the, the service you get from them is unbelie- uh, unbelievable. From from just a, a customer point of view, you know, you, you can ring them up and uh, and uh, ask for something and the next day, I think what happened, I um, I broke a header pipe on, on uh, my model and uh, I ordered some new header pipes, and it was just before Christmas, and I started pulling them out of my plane and found that uh, the way I mounted the canister, this was in my, because I, I had a, uh, a 105 slick extreme flight, extreme flight slick, slick before the laser, and the way I mounted the canisters wasn't the right way. It, actually, the mounts had um, basically... Uh, worn through the canisters and we, it virtually cut them in half. And I found out when I pulled them out. Now this was uh, a day before uh, DA were closing for Christmas. I rang them up. Uh, they said, "Yep, I've got them in there." So this was like uh, I think four o'clock in the afternoon. 
uh, and two o'clock the next day from Queensland to Victoria, I had canisters at my in my door. Yeah, it's amazing. No, they're uh, a good bunch amazing. of guys up there in a market. Just do a phenomenal job um, yeah. at supporting us. You know, anybody that's into aerobatic planes, it's sort of you know the place to go to really if you want that that you know extreme flight pilot RC kind of models. And of course, yep. all the good gear to go with it as well. So you know, you mentioned briefly how um, you bought servos off me when I had 3D Hobby Shop Australia. And when Extreme Flight and 3D Hobby Shop uh, brands merged, I, I rang up Ian. I said, "Ian, take the lot. You know, you guys do an awesome job, and I don't need to do this anymore. You keep on going with it all, and uh, do it on the Extreme Flight ban- banner." And um, you know, because he's just an awesome bloke, and he's been really supportive of Flat Out RC as well. So. Big shout out to Desert Aircraft Australia. Now, to finish up, the question that I ask everybody, uh, and that is, what has been your favourite model so far? Oh, mate, that's hard because, I mean, I, I do so much different stuff. I mean, uh, uh, you know, from my gliders. I mean, I've even started flying a bit of control on again. Um Mate, you know, my 104 laser, I, I'm absolutely loving that at the moment. And I reckon it's a, it's a tie between my 104 laser that I'm flying now and uh, my old Curare 60 that I was flying back in 1982. So, I don't know, between those two planes, I don't know which one is my favourite at the moment. So, I reckon they're about the same. Well, I was going to say, pick one from each era that you, you're pre-family, you know, adult years uh, and then uh, to your... <laughs> Your, your grandparent years and which one. So I think you've, you've selected some pretty good models there. Well, Michael, if anybody wants to find out about uh, iMac, what, what is that website again? It is www.scaleeros.com.au. Um, so you can go on there. Otherwise, uh, I mean, if you go to the Facebook page, uh, iMac Australia, uh, you can get on there. You can message uh, that. But on um on our website, we've got all the contact details. There's my my contact details, um, all the state reps, all the committee members on there. Just shoot us an email, uh, phone numbers there. Give us a ring. I, I quite often get people just ringing up, uh, asking uh, about IMAX. So, yeah, if you go to uh, www.scaleeros.com.au, then uh, you can find us. No problems. Excellent. Well, thanks, Michael, and all the best as you uh – Take the reins of iMac in Australia. I hope everything goes well. And uh, I've got fingers crossed that uh, you can get back to some competition shortly. Uh, I've got my fingers crossed too. And uh, once we get over this uh, bit of uh, disaster with the COVID stuff, uh, we're looking forward to, to getting iMac uh, running. Uh, lot, lots of uh, good things that I think will come. Uh, keep an eye out. So uh, let's see how we go. All right. Excellent. Thanks, Michael. No worries, Andrew. Appreciate the time. Thanks for having me on. A big thank you to Michael for joining me there uh, for the chat. I really love the the interviews. Uh, Got a lot more lined up um, in the coming weeks. So stay tuned. Don't forget to tell your friends about the podcast so we can keep on spreading the word and and build it up. But uh, thanks again to Michael. Now, Staying to, oh, this episode's already been a bit of an aerobatic focus kind of thing. You know what's interesting though? The aerobatic community are really passionate. They're not that big, but it, they're really passionate, and they are supporting things like podcasts and 
you know, social media and Instagram and all that kind of stuff really well because they're just mad keen flies. So th- shout out to all the aerobatic guys out there. So we talked about the ultimate. Uh, what I want to talk about now is generally aerobatic related, and that is indoor flying. Just want to have a bit of a chat about it. What is it and what do you need to get into it? Now, indoor flying down here in Australia isn't overly popular it's because generally our weather allows us to get out flying all year round. But, you know, if you're in countries like Sweden or, you know, even parts of America, uh, a lot of European countries, Austria and so on, during the winter, it's just the snow on the ground and it's very hard for them to get out flying. So there is a big, well, no, relatively big compared to Australia, movement with indoor flying. And uh, I have been involved in some indoor flying over the time and they are it's so much fun because not only you're indoors and you're out of the elements, but you're there with your friends and it's more than just about the flying. It's, you know, socialising part of it as well is great. And when you're indoors, it's a bit different vibe than being out at the local flying field. So uh, generally when it comes to indoor flying, the majority of people really that are flying indoors are really flying aerobatic models. Uh, but... There are plenty of other smaller aircraft that can be flown indoors, especially some of the E-Flight UMX range of things. And, of course, there's people building rubber band-powered planes for indoor flight. Uh, there are people flying helicopters indoors as well. But we're going to focus more on that that aerobatic side because that seems to be one of the most popular things to do uh, when you're flying indoors. And it's actually not not that difficult to get involved. That, uh, From my experience... What you want is definitely a foam plane. You don't want to really fly a balsa plane because you will be hitting the deck uh, when you're flying in a confined space or running into other people, which is very popular. Uh, so I mentioned the UMX range of products from E-Flight and uh, though they, they can fly okay, they're not very robust. So if you have a mid-air, they will fall apart pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, so you want something with a bit more substance uh, uh, to fly around indoors than the UMX stuff, unless you're flying by yourself and you're a pretty competent pilot because they just don't bounce that well, a lot of them. So my recommendation is you've got to look for a profile foamy plane. Uh, and there's a few different companies out there that make them. Uh, and I'll give you some of the some of the, the main ones that I look at. So the first one being RC Factory. RC Factory is really renowned as being one of the top uh, aerobatic foamy profile foamy kind of manufacturers it's 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 their thing really building these profile foamies and i've reviewed some in the past some of the bigger versions of their profiles and they're really awesome like they, they do a really really good job uh the guys at rc factory now they have some smaller uh a range of models suitable for indoor use a lot lighter a lot smaller in the wingspan uh because it's weight is such a critical thing they generally run on a, on a 3S to a 2S pack, depending on the size of the plane. Uh, they're made out of uh, EPP foam, which is nice and robust compared to, say, Depron. Depron does fly very well, Depron foam, but it doesn't last in crashes. So going more for this RC factory EPP foam makes a lot more sense. Now, generally, they're four-channel control, of course. They generally have really, really large control surfaces. Because when you fly these planes, they actually fly quite slowly. You can really, really slow them down because they are very, very lightweight. You could fly them outdoors if you know there was no wind, but uh, really, for some of the smaller ones, you really just stick to indoors with them, like the uh, the light series that they had. Laser, I had a laser light, and that was just awesome, you know, to fly indoors. 
So RC Factory is a good one to look at. And of course, they've got the usual models, the edges and the extras and the lasers and all those kind of things and everything in between. Uh, and they're constantly bringing out new models. So I'm just looking now, they've got a GB, which is hilarious. So there's another another alternative for you to consider. But things like the crack yaks, the uh, pits, biplane, they've got a little, little Fokker, Fokker, they call it. You know, they've got one of those in profile. Edges, uh, MXS, um, those kind of things. Now, if you want to purchase an RC factory model, they are readily available down here in Australia at Aussie Aero Works. Go and have a chat with John Jance at Aussie Aero Works. Website is Aussie, A-U-S-S-I-E, Aero Works, W-R-O-R-K-S dot com dot A-U, Aussie Aero Works dot com dot A-U. Google if you can get that down. And he's got a lot of stuff, uh, indoor planes and all that to, to take a look at. There's this new Click 21 indoor performance plane. It looks awesome. Oh, I'd like one of those. Uh, another another brand to look at is something I mentioned, I think, last week's episode, which was the um, Extra, the uh, Jace Ducia, JTA Innovations uh, Extra I talked about, but the JTA Innovations range of models would also be suitable for uh, indoor flying available from Bones RC up in Queensland. Uh, again, uh, EPP foam profile work really, really well. Bones RC, what's his website? I don't know. BonesRC.com.au probably. Uh, anyway, do a Google search and find Bones RC to, uh, to grab a JTA Innovations model now as i said same kind of thing i think they run a two or three s pack uh similar dimensions nice and light that's what you want and when it comes to flying space if you're looking at uh getting you know establishing a sort of a, a flying event every month for people to go and enjoy really what works well is a couple of basketball courts if you can go to your local basketball uh, arena and say to them look what are you what are you doing between eight and ten o'clock at night and a thursday night or a sunday night or something like that and see if you can hire it out. You might need to pay to, you know, charge the guys and girls to go out there and fly. But what I found is most people are happy to pay for the experience. I remember we used to pay ten dollars or something to go, and I, you know, I was more than happy to do that. But uh, if you can get it for free, even better, a school hall or something like that. It's a, a slightly bigger space with a reasonable roof height as well does help because it just opens up your flight envelope really. Than if you're flying in a really uh, low roof, but generally a couple of basketball courts, you could do it in one basketball court, but having the two allows more people to fly at once. And that's the other thing, you won't be flying by yourself. You might have multiple people in the air at the same time. And the good thing is about these EPP planes, if you have a crash, it doesn't matter. But uh, I can tell you now, the, the, over the years when I've flown indoor, I absolutely loved it, and we had a good little community going at one point in time. Like the Tim McDonald and Dave Shear and Adrian Coro and. Convis Vardis and all the team down here, uh, Con Gabriel, a uh, whole group of us down here that were flying and we haven't done it for a while, but one day it might come back. But if you're into indoor flying, give it a go. A couple of models, brands there for you to look at. Uh, again, it just takes one person to take the lead, go and find a venue, put it on, and next minute, a whole heap of fun. About to leave, already packing, come with me. I'm not really asking, we'll get away to a place where we don't know. Well, another episode is Over the Flat Out RC Podcast. And thanks for joining me once again. And of course, thanks to Michael Andrusik for joining me to have a chat. Really appreciate 
his time and effort that he made to, to be with me. So thank you, Michael. And if you want to get into iMac, don't forget to uh, take a look at the Scale Aero's website, which is, I should be prepared with all these web addresses, scalearrows.com.au. I don't know their website, scalearrows.com.au. Uh, take a look at that to find out more about iMac. We'll speak to your local aerobatics gun who probably knows all about it. And uh, look out for a come try day because uh, they're a great way to get into it. And they're not that scary, really. And it will make you a better pilot. So give it a go. I'm going to get out there and practice some iMac sequences because I really, really need to improve my flying and my precision. So I'm going to be doing that. So come and join me at the field. If you see me, let's go and fly some iMac. Uh, don't forget, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Apple Podcasts, Spotify and soundcloud and there's other some other platforms i noticed that have picked it up as well so you'll find it easily if you can't flat out rc.com.au website as well and don't forget instagram facebook uh jump onto the flat out rc instagram and facebook page stay tuned what's happening in between these podcasts i really hope you're enjoying them shout out to me uh send me a message on facebook or something like that if you've got some suggestions as to who you'd love to see me interview i've got some international guests coming up and more international guests and and I turned around to my wife the other day and said, I'm going to go for the big gun. So anybody that's big in the hobby, I'm going to try to get them and bring them to you so we can hear their story. So I hope you're enjoying it. Spread the word. Flat Out RC Podcast is going to take over the world. Maybe. One day. Well, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.